Catalyst and I list off the fighters we feel like went through the most significant changes to determine which characters have risen up and which characters have fallen off now that we're here in Season 4 of Street Fighter V. Plus, crossplay is an ever-growing topic of discussion, but it might not be as easy for fighting games as you'd hope. Harada's new promotion should help end the Dragon Ball Fighters issues, fight money is missing both in Street Fighter V and in real life, and plenty more on the latest edition of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. Alright, and welcome to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Yes. All right, we're going to go ahead and get it started here, a short and sweet there, and talk about rumors on the internet. Uh, and that would be of crossplay being expected on the next generation consoles kind of as like a baseline expectation is kind of what we're hearing in our neck of the woods. And I could not be more excited about that. Um, this would be something where, you know, whichever platform you want to play on that gives you the best experience you could do it you know i mean even if you want to play on a you know a switch say that's like you know the type of thing that's like gonna you know work good for you um that would be a really big game changer here for the fighting game community uh it will to quote braveheart here uh unite the clans <laughs> and um uh you know get everyone under the same roof uh the fighting game community is very much a niche genre and <clears throat> Just having the, the whole freedom of access to like all the players out there would just really be wonderful. Um, it, it would open the door here for you know what the tournament standard would be in terms of like you know next generation consoles. Like, hey, what do we play on now? If you know, like, what what happens at that point? But um, again, I, I think most people would adapt, and you know, uh, something would rise up, you know, and be the the de facto standard at that point. But it, it's interesting to me, and I, I personally, again, I've, I've been really you know carrying that torch for quite some time of crossplay. It should really be the standard at this point here in 2019, um, and uh, and yeah. But uh, how do you feel about that? So I don't disagree at all that I would love to see crossplay. I think that we're almost to a point where the general mentality is, okay, I get it. It hasn't been a thing, but at this point, it should really be a thing. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, all that said, I, I do agree, but I feel like there are quite a few roadblocks. I think it comes up as a matter of fact, like, of course, we should do that. But then you think about, well, okay, what has to happen in order for this to happen? And let me be clear, I'm not saying that I don't want it to happen, and I'm not saying that I think that this is an excuse for the powers that be to not tackle it, but I do want to entertain you know the other side of the fence or, or or rather just like the opposition to why we might not go that direction as quickly as we were hoping because yes i really do hope that at the whenever the the next generation of consoles drop it's just a staple of them it's it's a matter of fact thing that's just there but uh okay so why would a company like sony or a company like microsoft be hesitant to do this can you think of anything off the top of your head yeah. as to why they wouldn't necessarily just jump on this idea it's it's quite a bit more work for the developers uh it's more work for sony and microsoft to get them to kind of talk to each other and work together on whatever issues might come up um there are some videos that have surfaced with Street Fighter V where that shows PC users alt tabbing out of the game mm -hmm. and and then you know alt tabbing back in which again uh, just for the people who don't know the PC shortcut just means you you basically change the focus of your window browser uh, in Windows and and that's it so you you basically put Street Fighter V in the background but uh, it's had the side effect of making the net play much worse for whoever's on the other end that you alt tabbed out of now I don't know if that's a consistent case or not and like that happens all the time or 
whatever, like I'm not 100% sure, but we did see it in the early days of Street Fighter V that there was a video that surfaced that very clearly showed it was an issue. Um, stuff like that can crop up. And I mean, like, what do you do with something like Switch hardware where, you know, the next generation consoles are going to be very powerful and you have the Switch hardware, which is, you know, not as powerful, like it's running at 1080p, all that, like, is that going to be sufficient? And can you dial your game back enough where it runs okay on the Switch uh, without going into full potato mode? Sure. I was thinking just to begin with that maybe uh, Sony, for instance, because it seems like they they seem to be the least willing to make this move out of everybody with the, the little bit of movements that we've seen thus far, would want something like we saw with Street Fighter V where it's console exclusive and Microsoft doesn't get it on the Xbox and Nintendo doesn't get it on the Switch. Although I think that that, <laughs> I think that kind of hurts Street Fighter, to be honest. But, but Sony's like, hey, yeah, I'll take all of this because at least in my case, and I have to assume that this is the case for a lot of other people uh, in, in the fighting game community and more specifically the Street Fighter community, we heard that SF5 was going to be PS4 exclusive and we got PS4s because of it. I have a PS4. Yep. I haven't had, well, I guess I had a PS2, but it was right at the end of the lifespan and it was because I wanted to play Guitar Hero. So again, motivations to to you know get these, these specific game uh, consoles because of specific games are on them. That kind of goes away. And then the... Um, the console developers themselves have to play the game slightly differently. Now we have seen crossplay creep up through was it Rocket League and then more recently mm-hmm. Fortnite. Now in Fortnite almost everybody can play with everybody whether you're PS4, Xbox, PC, Mac, mobile, <laughs> it's everyone. But in uh, for Rocket League, Sony is being super conservative. At this point, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong cuz I think the, the this is from a little while ago so it may have changed since then, but if you're on PS4, you can play with PC users. You can't play with Xbox users. And I think Xbox users, um, they're able to play with anybody but PlayStation users. And it's like Sony was basically said, we'll, we'll extend out to just PC, but we're not ready to shake hands with Xbox at that level yet. And it seems like they're kind of being a little bit hesitant to to move toward this. So I, I don't think it's I mean, just... The reason how come Sony is hesitant is they're the market leader. They have no incentive to work with the other companies and and basically bolster them. Uh, this is moves that encourages you to not play on PlayStation, basically. And that is the reason how come Sony has been hesitant to do it. Like, why why help our competition? Is, yeah, has been so their philosophy. that's what I think we're getting at here. Mm-hmm. And whenever that's the case, man, you look through history, you look at the trends, you look at... I mean, when there's money involved and there's a powerful company, it doesn't take an expert to go, oh, okay, it's going to be really hard for whatever they don't want to have happen, have happen. That yeah. said, the voice of the of the people is big. And like we talked about earlier, it's already a very matter of fact kind of, I don't want to say expectation, but it's something that people really, really want. And Sony, if they were the only ones that didn't jump on this ship as big as they are, I think that that might be um, more hindering than helping for them. I, I mean, I'll throw out a scenario here. What if the next generation consoles hit and Microsoft and Nintendo decide to work together again and Sony is the only one that's like, well, maybe we'll do it or maybe we won't. That's a, a pretty big incentive for a lot of people not to buy Sony hardware because... Yeah. Also, Sony hardware sucks, man. I mean, it's it's fine, but <laughs> yeah, like... Yeah, I think we're going to get into that here in a little well, bit, maybe. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the next point I was going to make um, out, yeah. outside of the developers maybe having hesitation is that 
okay, so Fortnite, Rocket League, nobody wants lag in their games, right? But mm-hmm. if, if there's a little blip of lag in Rocket League it's or Fortnite, it could be crucial to the outcome of the match, but you're certainly not going to notice or care as much as you are in fighting games where we are counting frames for every move that we do. Uh, we care about an input delay of two or three more frames more than, than what we expected. I mean, we've talked about it a million times, PS3 and Xbox 360, when they had PS3 as the standard for Evo, everyone was talking about how there was one frame of difference and how that was screwing with their games. Now, yeah. zap over to a world where you have cross-console play and, you know, okay, so if the Xbox users are, are a frame less than the Sony users and and people are as learned about it as they are now and it's in, it's in the forefront of everyone's minds because Street Fighter V absolutely turned everybody on to that idea and everyone was really understanding of input lag because of the whole you know eight frames thing i don't think anybody wants to play you know on the one that's going to be one frame slower and if you do it's just an option selected it takes away the validity of the experience in general and i don't so so my point is man it's got to be the same across all platforms and i'm not so sure that the, I mean, we'll see what the next generation brings, but in the in history, it tells us that these platforms have not been the same. And when you're yeah. talking about at least talking about fighting games, and I'm sure other genres will agree, at least to a certain extent, you need to have this uniformity that I'm not so certain we have yet. And so those are my, my I, I want to say hesitations, reservations about it. It's not that I absolutely don't hope that that is 100% the case, but those are more the roadblocks that I can see um, stopping us from getting there yeah i'll go in on sony here a little bit i'm you know it's good i'm i i want to be careful about this because i do appreciate what sony does as a company i think some of their games are incredible i think their business sense in in having competition is really 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 important pretty much in all walks of life um, we would have been stuck with microsoft's business plan with you know connect and all this other crap if Sony did not exist, and, and those were really dumb decisions that Microsoft ended up finally backtracking on, you know, for the Xbox One. Uh, that said, I mean, Sony's not without their problems. Uh, their online play, I, I, every single time I play comparable games online on Sony platforms, it's worse than Microsoft. Microsoft are veterans of the PC space and networking um, for business and for a million other things. Their programmers are some of the best you can find on the planet. Mm-hmm. They are incredible. Uh, Microsoft knows a lot of things very well about hardware and software. Um I've had better experiences there. Load times have been better. Input lag, we've talked about. Hardware seems better. I mean, it's... If, again, if Sony did not buy the exclusive rights to Street Fighter V, I still probably would have bought an Xbox console and been very happy with it. Uh, yeah, it's... I, I do hope Sony for the next generation console, whatever they, they come up with, like, figures the stuff out and, like, puts it out there. You know, I, I realize it's probably not going to be front and center, like, right at, you know, the E3, uh, when they finally go to that again, <laughs> when they don't skip out on it. Um and put that out there, but like they need to talk about this stuff finally and put, address the elephant in the room. And then, like, I'll, I'll then at that point, I'll be like, okay, I see where you guys are coming from now. I appreciate that you're acknowledging that this has been an issue and that you're dealing with it. But if it's the same old Sony stuff where we've been dealing with this since basically the um, PS3, 
I, I'm not signing up again for that. I'm, I'm going to try to avoid it and go to PC, especially if there's crossplay. Uh, again, I, I have no choice but to buy a console if they don't have crossplay on it. And, and, you know, so I'll do that. But man, I really hope they get their, their ducks in a row this time. So I've been going pretty hard in on Sony, and I just want to focus my main gripe is that when I go from a like a Microsoft, an Xbox to a PlayStation, the load times take a lot longer. the The input lag seems to be worse. It's like some like you know hardware issues. It's not to say that I haven't played the crap out of my PS4 um, and that I haven't had great experiences. It's not like they're absolute trash, and I don't want to say that they're absolute mm-hmm. trash. They're not. They're I just not. want to say that there are some pretty clear places where where it's obvious ball drops and it doesn't seem it just like I, I expect more considering who they are. Um, but yeah, they, and they do a handful of things way better than Microsoft, usually in their, I guess their presentation, right? Because a lot of times oh my God. in business choices, man, it's Microsoft. It's just like, what is the dumbest things we could do? Let's go ahead and do those. And, and it, it was, you guys are not listening to your fans and what they want and what they expect. And I mean, this is, you know, old hat stuff, but still it, it's again, very good that we had Sony. Uh, and I will say that, um, as an alternative to fall back on. And then, you know, they've invested very heavily in the fighting game community. Uh, we know about the, you know, their history with Street Fighter V, but they also put money into tournaments and other things. Um, yeah, there's some stuff we, we just fundamentally disagree on as a, a hardcore competitive fighting game community, right? This stuff is super, super important to us. Uh, general gamers, like, they're not going to really notice a frame of leg. You know, like, oh, well, it took an extra five seconds to load, you know, my game up. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I, I get that, but for us, it is a really big deal. But, but yeah. yeah, we're we're whiners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so moving right along, uh, in just on the subject here, uh, Dream King has recently migrated from a base PlayStation Four unit, and what we mean by that is like one of the kind of the launch uh, PlayStation Four consoles. You know, five hundred gigabytes, all that kind of stuff, um, to a PS Four Pro. Uh, it was about, you know, I, he did a trade in here with his uh, original PlayStation for about 100 bucks, And so I think the PS4 Pro is like 300 or $400. So, you know, you can do the math there. Um, but I'm very confident now in just doing this from, from moving from my own PS4 to PC that the PS4 hardware can be an issue for sure um, if you're having leg issues in Street Fighter V that you think are not directly attributable to your online connection. And, and what I mean by that, and there, we, we've documented this really well in the story, but if you pop like V-Trigger with Nikali and his hair like adds 50,000 strands and goes crazy <laughs> and whatnot, and all of a sudden you start losing um, you know frame rates and he's skipping around all over the place, which was happening to me a lot, um, that could be um, very much, it could be a connection issue, but it could be your PlayStation as well. Um, and, and basically V-Triggers are kind of one of the main things to look at um, when you pop those. But uh, even Steven uh, Dream King was having issues like playing on stuff like outside of, you know, the training mode stage. Uh, there's a lot of ways of testing this. And I think even now with you, like with the season four patch, you're starting to run into issues in training mode where it's starting to stutter like periodically, right? Yes. And I, I need, I mean, I can't do my job as an event hubs writer effectively unless I have two or three PS pros to fall back on. And, um, and so, you know... Uh, <laughs> if right. I could get some company funds here, no. Um, yes, I have. I have experienced uh, actually more so in the training mode than anything else. Maybe it's because I'm starting to use training mode more. <laughs> but but yeah, you'll see these little slowdowns even when you're not searching for a match. And I go, well, maybe if I'm beginning to connect with somebody else, that'll give me an input lag or something like that. But it's like a very noticeable thing. And then you go to the uh, the character select. And I just hold over, and then every once in a while, it'll like freeze up for a for a you know an eighth of a second or something along those mm-hmm. lines. But I look at that and I go, 
dude, really? Like, I mean, it's 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 2018. I don't feel like this. Can, I mean, maybe it happened on older consoles and such, and maybe it's a whole different piece because we're it, yeah. It's it's that kind of stuff is always there to some extent, but the programmers who make these games can control how much of that is there. So yeah, and 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 then you also have stuff like when your console gets old, when it mm-hmm. overheats more, when there's a lot of dust inside, because most people probably don't open their consoles up and clean it, myself included. I mean, there are a lot of factors that you have to you have to uh, think about. But yeah, I have I have been experiencing a little bit more, and um, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I won't personally ever go back to playing on a PS4 again unless it's offline. We were at Capcom Cup and and you know playing tournament matches, no problems at all. Uh, and even playing on my console that was having issues, um, you know, playing online before, uh, which was in yours and I's hotel room, like there was no issue, right? You know, it's perfectly right. fine. But you know, as we talked about in the story. With the rollback netcode that a lot of games use in this day and age, the overhead on your system is is more than a standard netcode would be. So that's like, you know, the trade-off that we're making there is uh, we're getting better online play, but it's taking more system resources to run all this stuff. So the developers, the programmers have to dial back the game a little bit more and, you know, maybe less flashy graphics and more, you know, focus on letting the netcode just be itself or optimizing things or whatever you want to go about that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm done with the PS4 playing online. Uh, I will never play on it again if I can avoid it. I've got my PC. Um, the issues I was having have gone away. Uh, I had a salty rage quit with uh, John Velocir after here and because uh, he popped v trigger and he started skipping all around the screen like mm-hmm. i'm used to him doing and it's like i can't like it's hard enough to react to nikali as it is but when you add in teleporting on top of it like he got bison's v trigger on top of his own at that point and i'm just like <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not going there um so yeah this is this is something that's not even passing the eye test and I don't even want to think about what's happening if you actually calculated the numbers like we've done with input lag in the community. Uh, you are visually seeing the game slow down and lag and have issues, and you're seeing it go away when you throw more, more beefy hardware at it. Um, so yeah, I, I've been talking to Dream King Steven quite a bit. He's very happy with his PS4 Pro. Very, very, very happy. Um, so you have to ask yourself if it's worth that cost and worth that upgrade if you're having issues. If you're not having issues, like don't, you know, don't bother. It's not worth it. Um, but we have the next generation consoles on the horizon. You know, do you want to drop that three hundred you know dollars on that? Um, do you want to go that route for something that you know is not going to be around for the longest period of time? So. Mm-hmm. But everyone, go out right now and buy a PS Pro. Sony, please give us free stuff. <laughs> yes, there you go. Sony, hook us up and we'll we'll stop bad mouthing you on the podcast. So there we go. <laughs> uh, we probably still do that anyway, but maybe not. But anyway, all right. Crowdfunding <laughs> in the finding game community. This is an article that you wrote on the website. I thought was very interesting, uh, and you use some examples like of Dota Two. Uh, and a few other things from from other games, and uh, we saw most recently with Marvel vs. Capcom two, uh, Yipes ran the tournament. Arturo, uh, our good friend Arturo from Team Spooky, um, he did the match Arena, basically crowdfunding there, and I think they had original like like bonus pot of a thousand dollars, and they got up to like eight k or something like that. Right. Um, it was just very impressive. Uh, it was a great tournament. I was happy to see it for the guys there. Marvel two has such a, a near and dear spot to to you know the original fighting game community roots. Uh, Original, relatively speaking, came out in 2000, right? You know, a little, but, you know, uh, eight years or so after Street Fighter Mm -hmm. 2. But anyway, uh, it's still uh, very near and dear to our scene. Um, It was a great way to see it. But um, your point of the article here was crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. And if that's something we should see more in the fighting game community. And I'm I'm kind of wondering if, if, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it starts with, there's a lot of different kind of moving parts here. But we'll start with uh, something recent in terms of, 
we're not getting paid enough, and that was the Tekken World Tour Finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that happened, and, and Tekken has been a growing game in the sense of that the peep it's getting in front of more eyes. It's very exciting to watch. It's it's definitely a perfect. Well, I don't want to say perfect, but it, it's a really good esports watchable title that people enjoy playing. They enjoy watching, and I think the fighting game community really wants to see continue to thrive because what's good for Tekken is good for everybody else in that respect. So Tekken World Tour Finals happen. It's very exciting. We have Rang to win with his with his low tier panda character and um and then it kind of gets a little bit of rain on the parade because the totals for um for the winners are there and and rang walking away with like 7500 and i think the mm-hmm. the total was 25k for the um for top eight and that's half of what it was last year and we're dwindling in our prize pools and so everybody begins to talk about how there isn't enough money, and a couple of the pros say that they may or may not be doing this next year, and you have to assume, well, it's probably because they're not getting paid out enough for it with all of the, um, especially if you're not sponsored, you know, all the travel fees and such. It's just like, well, I can't do this as a pro, so I, I guess I can't really quit my day job, and hey, the dream is dead, boys, you know, let's go home. And so that was kind of recently on everyone's mind. Flash forward to this past weekend where Yipes throws his Marvel vs. Capcom 2 tournament, and they do a crowd funded Macharino and they go from a thousand dollars to eight thousand uh, dollars because that's how much people you know uh, uh, donated and and that's with a whole bunch of little gimmicks you know yipes is gonna eat a worm on stream and you know you can win a t-shirt and this is and that's and people are gonna get behind someone that's a personality and 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 with a game with as much history as Marvel 2 and it's a single event I have to stress that the success of this particular event, is not apples to apples to you know the Tekken World Tour or the Capcom Pro Tour. I don't think that you could necessarily sustain things on Macharino, you know, just having a Macharino mm-hmm. for every single tournament. That's not what I'm saying. But so but that did, you know, kind of spark this investigation of like, well, okay, so so what could we be doing? What are we doing? What could we be doing? And we do know that the Capcom Pro Tour, which is kind of the leader in terms of fighting game uh, payouts, I don't think anybody's paying out more than than Capcom, especially at like Capcom Cup, with the winner walking away with 120k and um, 200,000 getting dispersed between top 32, you know, and then 500k going throughout the year. That's you know, that's a decent amount of money. Yeah. Unless of course you play another game like Dota. <laughs> but the a big part of where that money comes from is the Capcom Pro Tour. Uh, DLC content. It's like 20 or 30 bucks and you can buy that and you get some new, you know, costumes and, and a new stage and some titles or whatever. And some of that money goes to the, the pot at the end of the year. And, and you go, well, is that poverty or, or, you know, does it's not like you go over to Dota who have the most money floating around. They start valve valve gives, I think $1.6 million to the prize pool. So, okay, there's definitely a difference there between what we're doing and what they're doing. But then the community does, uh, well, well, I'm sorry, I should say, then they release this um, compendium or a battle pass where, you know, you can get a whole bunch of in-game content similar to what they do with Street Fighter V. And it goes from 1.6 million to this year. They keep setting records: 25 million dollars. And wow. <laughs> 25 million dollars, man. And I go, okay, there's something there in crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. It it absolutely requires that you have a game that people want to play. That you offer content. Like there's a lot of thought, and a lot of other boxes have to be checked before you can just say, well, just crowdfund it. Sure, but. 
if you set yourself up correctly and you put your ducks in a row and you put a lot of thought into this, the potential is very high. And while I don't think that Street Fighter is going to go from 500,000 to 25 million anytime soon, and I don't think that Tekken World Tour is going to go from, you know, 25k to, to 25 million, I think that we can definitely do more of this. And I think that we have seen on both the grassroots level with Maturino or the, the bigger scale esports level with these other tours that doing this is is absolutely a tried and true method with where we're at right now in esports. And so I look at I look at Tekken, I look at Bandai and you go, well, I I mean, they have DLC content, but not a ton and I don't they haven't said that any of the proceeds are going to any of these pots. And if you're going to be an esports title and they very clearly are going that direction and doing that with the World Tour, you it seems like that's all but a necessity. And so I'm, and, and this is a lot of learning for, for these companies, you know, like Capcom, like Bandai, as the fighting game genre gets into esports. I think that this is just a lesson that should be learned. Yo, use crowdfunding, interact with your people. That forces you to make content that we want. And if you ever play MOBAs and, and other games that do these kinds of things, you see some costumes and you go, dude, I really want that. Oh, that's one that I can only get with real money, you know, and it, they, they know what they're doing. They do a good job of making you want the stuff. And, um, and so like, I say that because there's a lot of stuff in street fighter that I like, I I don't want that at all for any reason. Um, they really need to make strong content, but I mean, if you do that, you set yourself up that way, you're making good content. The people are excited to throw their money at you. And then it comes back in the esports side of things. It's a cycle that really looks like it works. And so I'm hoping that Mm -hmm. we're learning this lesson and moving forward with more crowdfunding based, uh, models. Yeah, it, I want to go back to something you said about having a successful product and then building on top of that. Uh, I remember when Radiohead gave away their album like In Rainbows, and they got so much like national like publicity and just all over the place. Like everyone was talking about it. You know how big of a deal it was and whatnot. Radiohead had a huge following at that point in time. Um, so there's a big difference, like someone like Radiohead doing that, or someone like Chumbawamba going, "Oh, hey, like we're going to give our album away," and people are like, "Well, we." Don't even really want that for free, so that's okay. You know, and uh, shots fired at Chumbawamba. But anyway. I mean, they have one amazing song. That's the only song I really know that they have. Yeah, but so, well, that's the only song that anyone ever knows that they did. And the fact <laughs> you even remember who Chumbawamba is is, is a big deal. So um, anyway, um, there there is that factor here. Uh, you do have to be very careful about how you do this stuff. Um, that is the the modern you know business lesson that a lot of people have learned the hard way that you you need that core audience to fall back on to execute some of these type of things. Um, I think Capcom has, you know, had a pretty good track record here. Uh, I think a lot of other, you know, companies can model themselves off of what they've done and, and continue to do that for that matter. Uh, you know, no one was doing pro tours until Capcom did. Um, we're seeing more of the stuff, you know, start to come up. Uh, I think there's a, a very valid model here, but you do have to be careful that, you know, if if you try to completely copy what Dota 2 is doing, you could very quickly fall on your face because they have, you know, Valve is, you know, the makers of Steam and, you know, Half-Life and a bunch of other things that they they have a lot of resources there. They can afford to take some of these bigger risks and they have a huge audience that they can market the stuff with as well. So it's not always apples to apples here, but I do agree that very hardcore that that crowdfunding should be more of a part of our equation here in the fighting game community because we have a lot of very passionate fans and people out there who want to see these games grow bigger and do more. And and it's, it's a great strategy to have. Um, just make sure that when you put your foot in the water, it doesn't get bit off. So. Sure, don't put it too far. 
Yeah. So speaking of, of payments and stuff, I wanted to talk about the fighting game community not getting paid uh, on time or at all. Uh, the classic phrase that I, I heard many times over the years was uh, getting paid is is so rare, like getting not paid is more common uh, for fighting game players, pretty much. And the fact that actually, I think it's a good thing, like shocker, uh, that we're, we're getting to the point where people are actually expecting to get paid. Um, they're getting paid late, but they're actually at least expecting to get paid at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, that's progress to me. You know, it's still not a good scenario. Um, that it, it, it sucks that that is reality, but it's also, it's a good thing to keep in mind too um, when we're talking about growth and all this type of stuff that uh, we still have a long way to go. Uh, we're still very, you know, uh, grassroots in a number of regards and we haven't quite got up to the highest levels of professionalism that we kind of hope for. Um, but again, it's, it's a good shift that, that I'm happy to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've I've been to a handful of tournaments, um, just like little local ones that are one-offs and things along those lines, and won or gotten you know placed in the money and never saw the money, um, and uh, and a lot of others. Uh, you know, you you wait through avenues like PayPal, and I remember um, it was a Red Bull event, and I didn't get paid for like a like two months, like to the point where you forget about it. And then yeah. all of a sudden you get an email or a text or some something and you, oh yeah. That, and it's like, that's not a very good look. I want a giant check and I want it in front of everybody right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I think that this is just another one of those early growing pains as you transition from the grassroots way of doing things. And the, the there's like a lot more room to be what kind of irresponsible or immature about your practices. And as things continue, well, you're going to start getting blown up on Twitter and you're going to get bad press and then people aren't going to want to come to your event or, or work for you anymore. And and I think that ultimately this kind of thing, as we continue to go down the more professional route, it'll get ironed out. But at the, at the time right now, I was surprised because I didn't think it's like maybe these smaller events where it, it seems a little seedy or something like that, this would happen. But apparently it's happening on a, on a pretty big scale because a lot of the, the commentators that you know, you know, the, yeah. like the Ultra Davids and the Sajams and even Markman express that they've, they've they're owed like $10,000 in back pay yeah. of like, like for like the last six months or eight months or something like that. Yeah. And you go, wow. Like, and, and I don't know who to point the finger at. That's not really the point here. I don't know, you know who it is that, that wasn't paying, but it's, it's the point is it's happening a lot. Yeah. And and it's like that's not a good look guys. Like that doesn't that doesn't help you out. You're 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 hurting your scene, you're hurting yourself and um gosh, let's let's like stop that. So I like that it's now kind of more out in the open and I think that it's going to prompt people to to pay their debts, be more Lannister at least in that respect and only that respect. Um, but as soon as that started circulating on um, social media on Twitter, I think Mark Mann, um, like within a, within a day, posted that he had magically gotten paid for a lot of the stuff that he hadn't gotten paid for. And so, yeah, oh, people boy. are shaping right up because they know what I was saying earlier, man. Yeah. They know that you you get that bad reputation and and it's GGs for your tournament or for your uh, your event or whatever it is you're doing. So. I'm going to keep the, the names uh, concealed here on the story, but I want to say about four or five years back, there were some very notable names that attended a brand new tournament uh, in another country, I'll just say. And uh, this this group like kind of started up and like, you know, they were doing a lot of things, a lot of moving and shaking in the esports realm. Right. And they put on this big production for fighting games and. Uh, someone who was involved with this was smart enough to ask for as much money up front as he could get. Um, and he got that and the rest that was promised to him, I don't think he ever got it because the company kind of went 
kaput basically at that point in time. Um, so when you can, my advice would be uh, get as much money up front as you can get for making commitments out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you might be waiting for a long time or if not forever to get your follow through on the rest of it. But yeah, it's uh, it is the sad realities right now of our industry. Um, I will shout us out here a little bit on event hubs. We don't, you know, delay payments to people who pay them every, you know, two weeks uh, on time. I'm very adamant and, and, and dedicated to that, but I also don't have to juggle, you know, paying out you know, 50 people who won at my, uh, at a tournament or something. Uh, I'm sure the, you know, logistics of that are much more challenging than what I do. I just run payroll and I give a bunch of money to the IRS and that's it, you know? Um, but, uh, well, I mean, one of the things that David said in his, in his string of tweets there about it was that this is one of the reasons why I don't really consider at least right now doing commentary or FGC stuff full time. It's like, cause I yeah. can't, cause I yeah. can't depend on that. I can't live off that. So mm-hmm. Ugh, it's so sad. Oh, but speaking of something that's not sad, uh, Harada has decided to take over as the head of esports for Dragon Ball Fighters, uh, Tekken Seven, and Soul Calibur Six. Um, flat out, this is awesome. And, and just to read a, a little quote here um, from Harada that he sent an open letter here for the community: "We are already planning to have as many official tournaments as possible for the next year, while continuing to support tournaments held by the community." So that right there shows that they have interest in keeping the grassroots scene alive along with doing their own official stuff, which is great. Furthermore, uh, again, quoting Harada here, we are dedicated to figure out ways we can assist tournaments and community activities in the future. And that right there shows that the crazy stuff that was happening with Dragon Ball Fighters, that's the best way of terming it. And and we put them on blast before this, and I'll put them on blast again. You you called it irresponsible. I agree. Mr. Wizard coming out and saying Dragon Ball Fighters might be one and done. And both you and I said, hey, take a step back here. Like, it could be a thing. It could be a problem. But be careful. Don't jump too far to conclusions here. And, and that's why we talk about this stuff is there are a lot of very passionate and and like crazy in a great way about how much they love the fighting game community people out there. Harada is one of them. There are a number of others at these big companies at Nam- uh, Bandai Namco, Capcom, uh, you name it, uh, Arxis. My goodness, like these people love fighting games like we do, you know, and they're so passionate about it and they do a lot of things to fight to keep them where they're at and keep them going. Uh, this is just another example of that here with Harada. Um, I doubt you're going to see Harada in a back room, you know, uh, calling, you know, TOs on the phone like five times a day or anything like that. I'm sure this is getting delegated out to other people. Um, and, you know, and he even mentions in the post, like, hey, contact your local, you know, Bandai Namco, you know, office if you're having trouble or whatever, uh, you know, go right, go right to him. But I'm sure he's also overseeing it. And if he sees some major issues come up, he'll jump in and say, hey, like, why is this happening? You know, what, can we do um he's a little busy i'm sure you know developing you know the next games and dlc content and balance and all that stuff uh, uh harada's like freaking awesome uh, got a tekken street fighter yeah there you go <laughs> um uh, uh but again it's it's just so nice to see him involved in the space now um and it's yet another shout out here for bandai namco who i just absolutely adore um thank you so much for stepping in and and just alleviating all the fears that that people, I'm, maybe not all of them, but a good portion of the fears that people had about, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters going away and what that could potentially mean for other people. Um, I'm sure there was some uh, some negotiations in the back room to get this to go, and with licensing and all that kind of stuff. I I, I think Ra- uh, Harada pulled a, a rabbit out of his hat, so to speak. Um, but yeah, just big shout outs to them. Uh, I I I just I I would hate to see a player base like that just get knocked on their butts. And what what do they do at that point? So 
Maybe Dragon Fighters is a one and done. Oh my gosh! Oh, gosh. I'm just trying to get an angry mob going and outrage culture and. Uh, it's uh, it's unfortunately very typical behavior for him, but yeah. But I know you right said along, this wasn't yeah. sad news, but I don't yeah. put a rain cloud above it. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good, all good. So, um, but now we do have uh, sponsored content returning in some form to Street Fighter Five. I and everyone's gonna, you know, um, uh, speaking of, you know, news that maybe people aren't too yeah, thrilled about, like yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, the Rage Street Fighter League has uh, has an advertisement now up in Street Fighter Five. I had one at least a few days ago. Uh, it's Japan only. Um, it's interesting to see this pop up again you know i don't know if it means anything you know big but it, it does show that it wasn't just a one-off you know test bed for capcom like they're planning on using it maybe a little bit more um maybe you know cultivating that as a resource and using it to build up i mean why not do that and show people advertisements of you know dlc when it comes up and other things to um get more sales and to generate stuff advertising works that's why it exists right um it, it's it's interesting to me that they're, they're going this route i'm like okay hey like i i thought it was a little more janky and maybe it would be a one-off thing that never kind of came back or we rarely saw it but it looks like maybe it might might be a a recurring thing every month or two somewhere around that region based all that kind of stuff you know it's I'm, I'm like okay cool you know but yeah what did you think when you saw it pop back up hmm. i ex i suspect that this will be something that is figured out and then executed at a at a high enough level capcom man you know what Capcom's story in a nutshell is start something do it really crappy and then and but but then like put it in front of people so that you get a bad reputation about it aka chun Li's face in the development of marvel you know infinite or street fighter 5 getting rushed out too quickly and i mean and and these ads getting you know put out there in the state that they're in, it's very clearly like not the finished product. But they're showing people, and they're not really telling people that this is not the finished product. So we look at it, and you know people like that that want to react to it hardcore uh, will will say this is terrible, and it is like a lot of people that have they they look crappy, right? They don't mm -hmm. look professional yeah. at all. Yeah. They look lazy and and half finished. And it's like, well, okay, if this is a beta, if you see a game being made and you see this kind of content put in there, you're, oh, okay, that's kind of a placeholder for something that's going to be fine tuned and executed properly later on. Capcom keeps doing this and not. <laughs> I mean, even even with the Chun Li thing, we we knew it was a game in process in in progress in development, but they they kind of shoot themselves in the foot with this because then they have to play catch up in the in the eyes of the public after they do something like this and you know it doesn't take much looking around to see that people didn't like it just in the general reactions to it calling it abysmal and and even if you think about it in the way that I'm thinking about it and you say okay well let's hold off judgment for a while cuz this is probably not the end product you still have a responsibility to when you're when you're putting this out in front of everybody you need to do a good job or at least give them enough information to say, hey, this is the only way we can actually feasibly do this right now, and so it's gonna look a little crappy, don't worry, this isn't the end. No, it's just out there in front of everybody. And so, yeah, I, do it do it differently, Capcom. It's like, it's fine, you wanna bring ads in, it's, it's 2019, and this is probably the way of the future, and I don't think people are ultimately gonna to be too mad about it, even if they say, I don't like ads because, you know, I want grassroots only or whatever. I, but but man, be better about it. Be better in your execution and and think for a second. You mean their communication as well, which we've never <laughs> talked about on the pod. But yeah, it's, it's funny how Capcom's history is there, and they're like, oh, don't worry, we learned from our mistakes this time, and we're going to adapt, and we're going to do the exact same thing we did before, just with a slightly different flavor to it. And there you go. But uh, yeah, I 
I mean, I, I kind of just roll with the punches with Capcom. They do more stuff right than they do wrong. Uh, I kind of look at their history of, of games, and you can argue that, of course. But for me, I, I look at how many people continue to play their games and, and continue to support what they do. And I go, yeah, it's uh, they're I'm probably, just, yeah. I'm looking forward to when Guy comes out and Nike sponsors and you get to flip the Nike swoosh just up you know because i think on guy it's it's a nike swoosh but it's uh-huh. facing down or something like that right that'll be cool and that'll make all of this worth it so guys just hold out we're gonna get guy we're gonna get nike swooshes it's all gonna be okay for the time being just don't look at it uh, then we can really have just do it moves but anyway yeah, moving oh on yeah gosh. oh man I, that was bad <laughs> okay so <laughs> is fight money gone for good so to speak uh or is this just another hiatus uh and i'm, I'm personally not ready to say like it's gone and we're you know Capcom is doing things differently. We're never going to see the fight money missions again. It's, you know, the start of the brand new year. They they need a chance to kind of ramp up. Uh, I'll be more sure of kind of what they're doing here in a month or two. Uh, I, I We've had dead periods before where there wasn't much fight money available. Um, I think they've always happened around this time of year. I'm not saying the sky is falling yet, um, but it, it's a little bit concerning because of, again, the statement that we're doing things differently. But do you have any kind of read on that? So... Okay, so in my free time, I like to play um, a decent bit of Heroes of the Storm, which is a MOBA game, and they are very much into all of this. And, and I mean, I've referenced all this kind of stuff a handful of times already. I feel very motivated to go do the quests, to do the stuff, to to have um, a reserve of their fight money, whatever, it, I don't know what the currency is, gold. Um, it, they, they've... They figured it out. They figured out the process of making it just appealing enough so that people want to either play the game consistently or spend real money. But you don't feel cheated out of it. You never feel like, oh man, this is way too hard or way too, oh, I don't know, easy. But they they have that reward system down very well. Street Fighter V does not. Their economy again. They're in the early stage of the of this, and they need to figure things out more and i get that so i don't expect as much from them right now it'd be nice if they were executing at a higher level but they're not and it's not the worst thing in the world for me because i'm not here for that now if that was there it would be yet another aspect of the game that i enjoy another reason for me to turn that on instead of playing heroes of the storm in my free time and the same would apply for a lot of other people hey more success and i think they'll get there eventually but i don't know with all of this i I think that the fight money thing is yet another thing for people to complain about because it's another kind of, well, I don't know if it's a ball dropped, but you pair that up with like the negativity of the ads and the way that that's wrapped directly into this whole esports process. And what you don't want to do is look like a tightwad that's not giving away, you know, enough and it's not you know, where the risk reward for the financials of the game is imbalanced and not in the player's favor. And I think they're kind of doing that right now paired with the ads thing. And now they're, they're, they're not saying anything. We're just like, things are going to be different. Here's Kage. He's DLC. Uh, there's no season pass go. And then we're all just sitting here like, well, that's great. But there's a million questions that just popped up in my mind and, and you're just slowly rolling things out. And again, Communication. Tell us what you're freaking doing at least enough so that we have some kind of direction, so that we have some kind of understanding, so we're not sitting here speculating on like 70 different things that may or may not happen. I mean, we've talked about, is this the end of Street Fighter V? I mean, we have no idea where things are going. 
And you leave your, your community, like, yeah, you want to leave some wonder, but give us enough to chew on so that we have something to chew on until the next thing comes out. Well, John, the thing is, is if they do that, our podcast is going to go downhill because we won't have all the stuff to speculate on. So I'm not sure I'm yeah, okay with Yeah, we can talk about legitimate content and how well it was done and where they've come from. Is oh, yeah. God. Speculation is much more fun. We have no idea. Anything can happen. Uh, anyone can win. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's um, it's another one of those, boy, what do we do with that? But it, it would be nice to see um, some more concrete details laid out here. I, I hope that we don't go clear into like March or something like that without some pretty clear updates on what they're planning. You know, uh, I think that that the, it really needs to come here in this month or, or at the very worst in February uh, and, and have some idea of, of what they're laying out. And again, I get it. You know, it's a, I talked about it before. It's a giant option select for Capcom. Where I think they're you know hedging a lot on the the next generation consoles and saying you know what are what is Microsoft and Sony doing so we can adapt to that uh, and that's where Street Fighter Five is going to go very very contingent on those companies in my opinion but yeah and, it, it's always nice to have more info hmm? yeah yeah and I've been something of a Debbie Downer about this I've been fairly critical and I agree with all of that but I will say uh, I want to just further emphasize that I do think that this will all work out and I, I mean Capcom usually pulls through and. And ultimately, we, we find ourselves at a at a good spot. They just like tie us to the back of a of a truck to begin with, and drag us along to at the beginnings of a lot of their endeavors. And and I just wish that that weren't as much the case anymore. Not um, only do they do that, but we pay them for that that pleasure. <laughs> Man. <laughs> but the ride is really good it's so much fun to crush counter people and stuff like that but anyway yeah um, um maybe we should go ahead and move on before we we dig ourselves too big of a hole here sure. uh, and actually talk about the optimism of street fighter 5 and we're talking about the gameplay here we're not talking about you know the business stuff the things surrounding it like in your personal scene in your neck of the woods you've been hearing about a lot more optimism here at the game and I, I wondered if you could elaborate on that for our listeners well like i've said before my neck of the woods here in Arizona tends to be a little bit more conservative in their approach to uh, expectations for a Street Fighter game. Uh, and this specifically in the Street Fighter realm, we play some Marvel and such too, and then things change once you get there because that's just chaos on a stick. But Street Fighter-wise, um, Arizona has been pretty like, I don't think that this is real Street Fighter um, mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. And so we've gone from what the game was early on, we've seen a lot of changes, um, and and this, this is through each season. We've seen little things like bigger hurt boxes or moves that stay out a little bit longer, the reduction of the input lag a few times to getting to where we are now. And even in this current balance patch, uh, I think that there are a handful of hurt boxes that, that sit out there longer. Um, one that comes to mind is Akuma. The start on his fireballs, there's actually an area in front of him that can be hit easier. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, all of that, of course, encourages footsies and encourages fundamentals in the neutral. And so so all of that to say, well, plus regulations, right? We don't have as much Abigail right. just doing dumb stuff. Um, and it feels as though the game is in a spot where it is where people are starting to look at it. You know, those even the doubters are starting to look at it where they go, yeah. Even if it's not their thing, even if they've moved on, they go, yeah. The game's a lot better than it was, and it's a lot more digestible. And 
uh, I might I might pick it up again. And the people that are still playing are, are a lot more happy and, mm-hmm. and enjoying it. And they feel like they're more in control of their destiny. So it feels like a more rewarding process. It's not perfect by any means, but it's really coming together. And it's starting to be the fighting game that I think the community wants of it um, in, in some real what ways. Are, yeah, one of the things you mentioned to me is, is that the whole statement of, you know what's freaking stupid? Uh, and that's not driving the conversation about the game anymore. People, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so what was that input lag before? It was any any conversation it could very quickly devolve into an input lag, and there, there there was some validity to that. But there aren't that many things anymore like that. And uh, even if you're talking about character balance, we had Cami last year, and I remember when the the balance patch notes for season three came out, and we looked at them, and I was uh, I think I was hanging out with Brent in a hotel room at like NCR or somewhere. I don't I don't remember the specifics, but um, and he was and he looked over at Alex Myers, and he just goes. Congrats, man. Congrats again on on not having your character nerfed because he plays Cammy, right? And right. and it was more so that like the top tiers of the time kind of got n- nerfed down, and people expected Cammy to, and she just didn't really get nerfed. But all that to say, yes, she was very popular last year, but she wasn't breaking the game. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the one for us to complain about, sure, with a, with a few others, and you heard most about Cammy, and um. But but I don't think that she was so broken that she was making Street Fighter unfun. I don't think she was even as broken as as previous years. Um, you know, top tier characters in Street Fighter Five, and she's no you know, A E Yun. I mean, I think I think that the game is relatively balanced. They continued to iron things out from that season to this season. They nerfed Cami considerably, and it's still a little bit early. But it doesn't seem like anyone's just emerging as this oppressive, ridiculous character. And while there's still going to be top tier, sure. It's a digestible place that we're in where people mm-hmm. can take this and go, you know what? You know, maybe Alex isn't the best character, but he's got some good stuff now and I'll, and I'll play him. Maybe, you know, maybe Akuma's really good, but he's not so good that I just feel like I'm not having fun every time I play him. There's a lot of instances like that. The Capcom mm-hmm. has been listening and they have yep. been changing a lot of things. Again, not perfect. I'm not saying they are. But the way things feel right now, I, I think that you're, appe- you're appeasing the Street Fighter V crowd because you always were appeasing the Street Fighter V crowd. But you're also, um, you're also making the people that weren't so happy before happy or at least content. And, and I'm seeing people coming back to the game in my, in my personal scene, um, and we're having fun doing it. I've been having more fun playing, especially since the input lag, but even this season playing with Kage and Nikali, um, it's just been a, a good time, and it feels like more and more characters are viable. Uh, characters aren't stupid good and, and breaking things. So, so, you know, as far as the gameplay is concerned, if they could just speed up them load times now, <laughs> and you know what, if that's the first thing that comes to my mind, that's good. Yeah, it's good in the you know PS4 Pro or PC, right? Um, but go. anyway, uh, but I also think one of the things that that is very important that people don't really factor in quite enough of of with the nostalgia factor and everything that goes in is discovering more of the meta. Uh, a lot of the meta in these games is man, were people pissed off about Street Fighter Four when it first came out? They're they're like, this is not Street Fighter Three. There's no parry system. Uh, ultras are broken and stupid, and and this and is they kind of were. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, again, and it, it's not like the complaints that people had about Street Fighter Five were invalid. You know, like the game is you know too based around crush counters. They're too dominant and neutral. Uh, you can get blown up too easy. The game's too volatile. All that kind of stuff. But that stuff has been gradually dialed back. And not only that, but our understanding of how to counter that has grown. 
um, you saw random ultras in Street Fighter 4 be a, a big thing at first, and people were so salty about that, um, just so angry, like, hey, I should be able to keep pressuring you because I've got you down to almost no life. You shouldn't have a comeback mechanic. Comeback mechanics are stupid. My goodness, did I hear that so many times. And, and, and why would you put a comeback mechanic in a game? You need to earn a comeback. You know, and, and now comeback mechanics are like in every fighting game ever, right? But again, that was a huge deal at first, and then people got used to it. They learned to bait out the random, you know, ultras and stuff. Adapt, um, and that's what we're doing. I think right now to Street Fighter Five is we've gotten in a place where we understand the game is is volatile, and how can we minimize those those risk and that volatility to a point where we can get more consistent results and put ourselves above the crowd. You know, um, so not only are we seeing these balance changes, but but we're growing with them. And and we're we're really feeling the evolution of our, our community. And again, it, it goes back, as you say, to adaptation. It's so important that we are more humble with these games. And I've been playing Street Fighter for longer than most people in our community. And I went in with a ton of arrogance into Street Fighter Five. Like, hey, I'm gonna whip punish this, and I'm gonna out footsie everyone, and I'm gonna do this. And I got my butt kicked. I was playing Laura in season one, which was not a good idea for me. Um, one, she was a bad character. Two, she did not fit enough of what I wanted to do as a player. Um, so I switched over to Vega, which was its own sad tale. <laughs> that but, was smart. Yeah. But in season one, Vega was actually good. Uh, Nemo was playing him. You know, he got top at Evo. Like, he was he was uh, a good character at that point in time uh, until they nerfed him into the ground. So um, anyway, my point is you we really do as a community have to take a step back with these games and realize we keep falling into the same traps over and over again. The game is stupid. This is not well done. Blah, 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 blah. And you often find the players who are complaining the least about this stuff and just kind of enjoying the game for what it is and finding those nuances like they're getting further ahead of the field. Um, the people who complain, they the haters get left behind. They get left behind. <laughs> you know, I do agree with you. I remember, <laughs> quick little thing, remember beginning Street Fighter 4 and, and understanding focus attacks or rather not understanding them and realizing that like, you just swept somebody and then you ran, you dashed up and you just did a focus attack. If they woke up with anything, well, you got to absorb a hit and you would just crush them again. You could just crush mm-hmm. them over and over and over again. Um, and, and at first, I, that's the kind of thing where you would say, well, like, don't do that because that's like throws in Street Fighter 2. You know, you scrub. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. That's broken. Um, of course, it wasn't. And, and, you know, just after a little bit of exploration, we figured that out. And, and that is very often the case. Now, that is not us, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think that is not us saying never ever complain about a game, never ever critique a game and, and think that it's just perfectly balanced the way it comes out. But I think the the best, the most nuanced way um, to go about this, if you are the consumer that is critiquing the game, is to just look at the risk reward of the individual things that you feel are unfair. And you go, how much goes into this versus how much comes out? And where is the balance there? And if the, you know, if you look at it and you go like, you know, I get to do this move that causes this much damage and carries no risk at all, then you say, well, maybe that's the problem. Like, that's a legitimate problem. But maybe it's just that you haven't inspected it and you don't realize that, mm-hmm. hey, you can do a wake-up reversal and that breaks focus immediately or you can backdash because that's invincible and you do your homework and you figure out that there is a solution to it. So it's a combination of both things. So we're, we're saying at least, that you know, don't go out there and immediately assume that everything's perfect. 
but also don't go out there and just immediately assume that everything's messed up. Do your research, do your homework, think about it on an individual detailed level, thinking about the risk and reward of each thing, of each process, of each situation, and then kind of come forward with your with your reaction to it. But don't emotionally react to, I got hit with a thing and then I died and I wasn't happy, so now I'm going to go to Twitter. It's like, that doesn't help anybody. Well, it is fun to read, though. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> fun to read and fun to type. Yeah, uh, but well said, well said. Um, so moving right along, we have the, I want to talk about kind of the rise and fall of what we're seeing right now in season four of Street Fighter V. And this is specifically with characters in the tiers and kind of like where they were at personally. Um, I have, you know, my own tier list that I had, you know, for season three. Uh, it wasn't too far different from what people had out there, you know, publicly, but, you know, a few things differed. Uh, so where I'm coming at with this is I basically want to talk about who the characters I think are considerably better um, mm-hmm. and, and then they were are considerably worse than they were before uh, like an immeasurable way like on the tiers like they've dropped like you know five slots or somewhere around there so like for example Akuma um, he was a top two character before in season three if you ask me uh, he's probably top two now somewhere around there um, he's not included on my list because I don't think he changed very much for example like he's not on my you know rise up list or fall down obviously so um, so just because I list someone here doesn't necessarily mean that they're top tier uh, here uh, in the top end. Uh, it's just that they're better than they were in season three. So the same is true in reverse when with, I think, people who've fallen off. They still might be good, but but yeah. So um, there might be some some obvious characters people are saying are obviously better here too as well that I'm not, you know, listing uh, when I go through this. Uh, but that's just because I haven't played them that much. You know, uh, one example might be Falk. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about her that she's quite a bit better than she was. But I just I'm not playing a lot of Falk players yet. I don't want to wait. Take a top player wrecking house in uh, in a tournament in front of everybody to get. That's that. I mean, real quick, that was a problem with Falk coming out the way she did. Is mm-hmm. that even if she gets better, she's not going to get the attention of that immediate or of that. That initial run and it's going to be really it's going to take extra work to get her back on people's radars even if they buff her up yeah. so i think it's going to take something like justin wong busting out falcon and, and winning a tournament with her um in a in like a fancy like flashy fashion before we're going to see a lot of people begin to really investigate her yeah, I agree. And and so she might deserve to be on this list. I just, again, don't know enough about her yet. Uh, but getting into it, uh, I have as uh, the top person is Bison. Uh, why the hell did they buff him? Uh, this is a dumb character. He was one of their, our top characters. We listed on dumb characters in the game. Uh, they, for some reason, made him even better. He's got better ju- juggle combos now with his metered scissor uh, attacks. Uh, his metered fireball is more plus on block. His V skill is now a full-on parry slash counter. <laughs> and I just, this character was not bad before. I probably had him about in the top 10 range. And there's a case to be made that he's the number one character in the game now. And, and I'm just like, you nerfed everyone else and you buffed Bison, who did not need that. I just, that was like the, the giant forehead slapper for me. Yeah, and they didn't nerf his V trigger one dashes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that, that made me a sad panda for sure. Um, I don't. It'll it'll take some of the uh, the bison bigwigs to prove to me that he's the best in the game. That's on the table at this point. Mm-hmm. But I really, I'm not, I'm not certain. Um, I don't think he. Okay, so there are a handful of characters that were in a, according to Capcom, in a fine place. You know, like Jury and like Mika, like Nikali, that just didn't get buffs or nerfs. If there was someone in that category, I felt like Bison was the one. He won Evo. What are you talking mm-hmm. about? He won Evo. And they gave him a bunch of stuff. They're like, this is the year of the bison. Um, and and we'll see 
just how useful all that is, but like the potential there is very big. You know, you look at yeah. the 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 patch notes and you look at what he's got, where he was already, and he, and yes, I don't understand why I'd give him all that, except for maybe someone especially liked him and wanted to see him thrive, and they get to affect this kind of a thing, and so they did. Yeah. But um, I I guess he was top ten before. He's probably top five now. Good chance he's in top three. Like you say, maybe he's top one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. I don't know I, if he's jumped up five spots or so. Uh, but but yeah, it's definitely worth talking about. He's definitely significantly. Um, well, it's significant that he's better when I don't think he needed to be better at all. And mm-hmm. if anything, maybe maybe give him a little bit of a buff if you actually nerf something else. But hey, man, whatever. We'll see. I'm I'm. I'm skeptical of this move by Capcom, but we'll see until it actually, you know, pisses me off three or four times, and then and then I'll go in. Yeah, I, you could have left him alone, and he would have got better. And yet, for some reason, they right. decided to buff him. And I, I'm, I, I don't get it. Yeah. So, moving right along here, we have Rashid, yet another character on our dumb list, and. Uh, most of the people in front of him, like Rashid, actually didn't really get buffs that I've seen at all. Um, but he got very few um, changes that actually impacted him. But what m- the major change is, is pretty much everyone who was in front of him got nerfed. And not, I think it's like Akuma is like the exception, but, uh, and we'll get into this here later, but, you know, Manat, um, Abigail, Guile, they got worse. Cami got worse. All these other characters got worse. And Rashid was maybe around a top seven, top eight character. He was very popular in tournaments um, to the point where our tournament coverage specialist is like, I never want to see Rashid again, like ever. I am so tired of watching this character on stream. Uh, it just nonstop there. And, and, my goodness, this character is great. I'm seeing some people put him in the top three now. Um, it's really hard for me to to put him outside of that. But again, he's a classic case of uh, they actually made him a little bit worse, but he was so good to begin with. He's, he's probably one of the top characters now. Yeah, I don't know if he's moved all that much. I think Rashid was already very strong. I mean, he won mm-hmm. Capcom Cup, right? And, I mean, Yep. Most people, even even though he won Capcom Cup, most people did not have him in their top five. He was always seemed to be a character, and I, some people did, but very few. Um, he was always a character that seemed to kind of fly beneath the radar, despite how popular he was. Yeah, uh, I, I've never really liked him in just design. It feels like he's just always spaced at his where, where his moves are really strong, and he's got really good escape options and. I don't know. I just I've never enjoyed fighting Rashid. I think his movement is weird, and um, he only barely fits into the game as far as like a Street Fighter character. Uh, so, yeah, I I think he's in in the fact that he's even better now is uh, is well is he better or did he just he's change worse. a little bit because because yeah, he lost yeah. Eagle Spike pressure or whatever. Right? Uh, like now you can. I think he bounces back further on hit with that, and they all do less damage. Like, all of his specials basically do less damage. Um, so there's less reward for landing them, and combos are just, you know, willy-nilly. I see. So, but the argument here is that he still, he got he got nerfed less than the characters around him, and therefore exactly. he still climbed a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he's still top 10, and I can't necessarily place him in top 5 yet, uh, but it's still fairly early but from what i've seen i'm not i'm not extra scared of rashid i'm just normal amounts scared of rashid um but yeah he's he's always someone that that has been on my radar as as like a character that that is really good in ways that i don't really like so mm-hmm. gotcha gotcha so uh my next character here is ryu um now i don't think that ryu is top tier in this game uh and this is one of the things but i think he went from 
virtually being bottom tier uh, among the worst characters in the game, if not the worst. I think there's a case to make last year that he was. Um, and, and now that I'm going in and I'm playing Ryu players, um, it felt like they had to make kind of every read correctly, outplay you, and then he might have a chance at winning. You know, um, and now I'm going into matches and I'm, I'm going, okay, hey, this Ryu player played really well. I'm kind of on the edge of dying. Um, he seems very good now, like quite a bit different. Uh, they made his fireballs better. Um, he's got Oki pressure. Um, I, I actually put him right now. Uh, if you put a gun to my head, I put him at the mid high tier, um, right around like the 15 to 18 range in the tiers, which is again, a significant jump when you were, you know, in the thirties before, you know, potentially, uh, I, I see him jumping up like many, many, many spots, but what have you been running into now? Yes, I will say, well, first thing, my, my initial emotional reaction to when I first played a Ryu was those fireballs recover faster and i think it's only like two frames but it's significant it's like mm -hmm. i can't just see them and jump like he he gets to anti-air me now and i think that's really good i think yes he has he has neutral he has oki he has a fireball game and and that makes for capcom fixed their ryu problem and yes. i think that's the most significant takeaway for this character um if he's mid-tier that's fine because people can play him they can enjoy him they don't expect him to be the best but hey it's like yeah he's, he's ryu and that's that's fine he's 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 fairly vanilla, you know, but you can play basic Street Fighter with him and and feel like a, 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 a decent sense of risk reward. And um, yeah, I think he's also jumped up to around mid tier. My, my big question here is, will this inspire more people to play him? Mm -hmm. Because if it does, then we can actually see like if I think we'll start seeing Ryu in tournament, which will be amazing because yeah. he's a Street Fighter fan or poster boy and... Um, there are a lot of fans of Ryu, and he's he's still by far the most popular character online, and has been even through all of the crap you know of the last few years. Um, and I don't think he's broken. I think that he's exactly where he should be. And you know, it's like Ryu is one of those characters. He doesn't have to be the best, but he shouldn't be lower than like mid tier. And and if he is, then you kind of have a problem. And um, and so yeah, I think that like I said, Capcom fixed their Ryu problem here, and I'm excited to see what people do with him now that they're going to be actually inspired to play him. Mm. Yeah, I, he just feels actually well-rounded now. And like he doesn't have these giant gaping holes in his game that you can pretty much destroy him every time out without having to break a sweat, unfortunately. And and that's how it felt before. And I think he's pretty like pretty decent now at the very worst. So there's that. Uh, moving right along, we have uh, next on my list, I have Blanca. Um, and, and this is a character I was not a very big fan of previously, but, uh, he's more solid now. Uh, he has better combos off of his V skill, which is a big deal for him. It lets him build up his, uh, V triggers, which are both potent. Speaking of V triggers, his V trigger one is now two bars. Uh, it's good if the opponent knows the V trigger two shenanigans really well. Um, uh, he gets quite a good bit of utility off of V trigger one. Um, it, it, you know, drains less meter on some of the moves and stuff like that. I just... I see him as better and more solid all around based more on on combos and footsies and stuff and less tilt based where he's got to get you on shenanigans and crazy stuff. That's still there. It's still Blanca, but there's less of that. They dialed that back. And so I see him now as as less of a, a very low tier character. That's what I saw him as personally. And now more as a a actually solid, fundamentally good character, but still Blanca. I saw him as smack dab in the middle because he basically kind of relied on, you know, you sort of saw it from Dunkadia's at um, Capcom Cup, you know, get in with an EX rainbow ball and then they have to guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, well, sometimes it'll go in your favor and sometimes it won't. And that kind of play is whatever. It's hype for grand finals of the LCQ and such, but it's not really, 
it's not going to be consistent. And, and, and so you're smack dab in the middle. You'll win half the time, you'll lose half the time. And nobody's the wiser for having gone through the experience. Um, I think that now he's that plus more. It's like he can still kind of do those kinds of things. But at the same time, now he has even more tools. Blanca is one of the characters I'm sort of scared about. Mm. I think that he's gotten from mid to somewhere decently above mid. And if you're, man, if Blanca is one of the best characters in your game, that's probably not good, right? <laughs> Just because of the way that Blanca functions the way that I mean, he he makes people mad, and maybe he won't as much. Maybe he's well designed, but man, it's hard to take a character like Blanca, who's definitely an anomaly when you look at Street Fighter, and he's kind of grandfathered, and it's like, yeah, well, all the stuff that he does, he's still allowed to do it. At least he's not shaking down, you know, watermelons from the <laughs> from the top of the screen and kicking them at you. Um, but I, I, he's he's very different and very kind of weird and, and janky. And if he's getting by on gimmicks and and such, then that like that's not a good look. So I'm kind of afraid for Blanca. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I have Nikali to deal with him, and Nikali I think is a decent counter to him. So it's like mm-hmm. not the worst thing in the world for me. But for the for the roster in general, if Blanca's too good and he's too good in the ways Blanca has traditionally been good, then I'm a little wary. Yeah, that's a that's a very valid complaint. It's that he's he's always has to be always has to be shenanigan based. Like you cannot have Blanc in the game and not have him be that in my opinion it's who he is so yeah you have to be careful with that but. Um, I will say though because uh, we have a Blanca player here a couple Blanca players here and we were talking about him um, to, to a decent extent over the weekend when we had our, our local tournament and something you just that I think people should remember is that Blanca has a big old hurt box in front of his in front of his balls uh whenever he does them <laughs> towards you so uh, you know because you can't really usually you can't punish them um select few characters can but you can hit them before they get to you and that should probably be your answer to uh, blanca balls is to just hit them before they get to you and yeah. so if you're not doing that maybe try to start doing that and that will probably affect the matchup huge for you because he doesn't just get to do that for free anymore so, John, what you're saying is as these season three characters I never had to worry about before. Now I actually have to learn the matchup? Yeah. <sighs> what a, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, um, actually, speaking of season three characters, uh, I've got my last riser here on the list, and that would be Cody. Yeah, um, another, you, another uh, I'm scared about yeah, Cody. Yeah, Cody, I think, is, is going to actually blow up right now. Um, and uh, I think you pretty much rarely saw him. Uh, I, I get all shout out this guy. I really wish he would attend to tournaments, uh, more tournaments. But Shazzy, uh, one of the, the top online players, I think he was top three uh, not that long ago. Uh, maybe he's he's gone up further or, or fell down or whatever. But he played Cody and Guile, uh, much more Cody in season three. Uh, Cody got better walk speed, which you really feel when he's zoning you out now. Um, I thought his zoning was good before. Um, but my goodness, uh, that character looks like a beast. Um, his zonks are better. His pokes are better. Uh, this character has wicked f- uh, frame traps and setups once he gets on you, especially with V-Trigger uh, rocks. Um, his setups are, are as deadly as can be. Uh, and they buffed V-Trigger 2 even further. And <laughs> I'm going... Uh, so right now, I have this character... Uh, ending up in my top 10. I'm not sure he's there right now, but just with the potential I'm seeing from Cody players and the amount of people playing him, uh, I would be a little surprised if he does not end up in the top 10 or even higher than that. Um, you didn't see many Cody players last season. I think that's going to be changing real soon. Yeah, he his was one of the longer tier list cha- or balance patch change lists, and it seems like it was mainly in his favor too. And so 
I think that he was one of those characters that, sure, maybe he could have used a little something to inspire people to play him, but I think he got a lot, and yeah. I'm really wary of all of that. I think that he was already really good. Oh, well, not really good, but he could already get the job done. Um, I don't think he was meant to be the best in the game, but the way they're buffing him now, it's like they want him to be a candidate for up there in the top tiers, and you give someone that much and they were already that decent. And then you look at the other characters that, again, I think he should have been more so one of those characters that, like, people got nerfed around him, you know, and he, and he climbed that way. And it would be like, yeah, so he's like, you know, upper mid-tier, and that's I think that's a good spot for Cody to be in. But yeah, now it's like he's a candidate for top tier, and, and it... it We'll see. I, I haven't run into any Cody's that are that are super good um, in this new, you know, in this new update yet. But I, I think that the potential is really there, and I don't see why he needed as much as he got. Um, again, it's all on paper right now for me, but the ugh, it's it's scary. And I think I think I'm more scared of Cody than Blanca at this point in terms of oh, yeah. like he got yeah. a lot, and I don't think he needed that much. Um, so, but and you also always have those characters that get you know that that were okay and or or decent and then they get super buffed the dlc characters in the next season you know your your season two urians and ba- and balrogs and your season three rashid and Ab- or your season three abigail i should say um so maybe cody's shaping up to be that although i actually think that it's going to be g that kind of takes things um a little too far and, and I, I don't like g's design man i don't like some of the things that he does but uh yeah cody's right up there too and i think he's mm. he's a candidate to be one of those like if people put the time in with him, um, they can be really making some movements with him, and and so I expect to see a, a decent amount of Cody's in um, in like the tournament placings. It's interesting that you bring up G because he was a character I considered, and then I, I looked over his balance changes, and he didn't get much. Um, and the one thing I, I will throw out there uh, just right off the bat is his health increased from one thousand yeah, to one thousand. I think that was a freaking lazy defensive change. It's like we'll just give him more health. It's like no, man, you got to. Anyways, go ahead. You were you were thinking. No, no, that's fine. I mean, it's and but what we've seen with that is is people have kind of written off those those health changes, and they've been like, well, it's not a big deal. And every time they've done that, it's had a a decent impact at the worst, and sometimes a significant impact on these characters. Balrog lost health. Abigail lost health. Uh, G has now gained it. Um, Akuma gained it, and it made a big difference for him. Uh, I'm I so, but what is standing out to you with G right now? Is he one of your risers in terms of like potential of, of jumping up quite a bit, and then and then why? I already thought. Well, it's not that he's the best in the game. Mm-hmm. His problem is defense, right? He doesn't, yeah. and then G, and and so like it's not fun for G players in the sense that the defense is bad, and it's not fun for everybody else in the sense that his offense is kind of silly. Um, my main problem is the way that he can pick up combos from anywhere and carry you all the way to the corner. Um, and, and it's like, he's doing kind of mindless stuff. Like he'll jump and then do when he's in V trigger, he can do the orb and then send the orb at you. And it takes up half the screen. And if you do anything except for block the orb, there's a good chance it clips you. Like you try to jump over it. it it's either it's going to clip you or he'll hit you himself. Um, or, you know, it, it's very difficult to do anything but block. And then that puts him immediately in your face because you're sitting there blocking. And, um, and then he gets just get the follow up with, with his offense. And you're sitting there with like the, you're afraid of the command grab, which leads to a billion damage and you're in the corner or you're afraid of getting hit and which leads mm-hmm. to a billion damage and you're in the corner. 
And it's like, okay, if you're going to give the character that, fine. But I really think that he's too extreme. He's got not enough on defense and too much on offense. And what they did was they gave him something on defense by giving him 25 more life, which doesn't really change that much except for that. Like, it doesn't change much in the in the interactions. It just changes that now he'll survive for a little bit longer. And great. But, I mean, he's still the character that he was before. And he gets to do these. He's just got a lot of just do it kind of properties about him. His rush punches are like minus four at best, but you can space them out and and I don't know. I just feel like I play a lot of G players that go on to their um that just go into one track like like autopilot and they're not even thinking about what I'm doing and, and how to deal with it and they're still doing just fine because they'll, you know, just keep doing it until I'm dead or, or putting me in fifty fifties without earning it. And I feel like I mean, he's not the worst thing in the world. He's not breaking the game. But I don't think that he... I was I was hoping for some significant changes to him in the way he played. It's like... And, and, I, and I mean, take a little away from his deep, from his offense. Give him a little bit something, you know, defensive-wise. But they just... I don't know. They just gave him health. And now he can still do all this dumb stuff. And yeah. So I'm, I'm not too excited about G. Yeah, I can, I can hear that. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll clarify here for our listeners is that uh, John was talking about the orb. And what he means is, is G's V skill where um, he kind of powers up and throws this gigantic orb at you. Um, and my that's actually my big problem with the character. I don't think he's like a huge problem beyond that. Um, but it's the orb's hitbox is gigantic. And it's, it's really hard. Bomb. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's huge. And I'm like, okay, that's his V skill, guys. Like, what are you doing? And I get he has to do that in... Um, um, you know, uh, V trigger, right? But it's just, it's too damn big. It, it covers too many options. It's just too mindless. So that is one thing, actually, even back in season three, I'd noticed. And I'm like, they really need to alter that. I hope they, you know, pick that up in 4.5. Just reduce the, the hitbox on it. I get it's a giant orb, but damn it, like reduce the size on it. Too, too damn good. But I wanted to ask you here um, this is a little bit more salt than I expected from you from, from G. Like, mm-hmm. where do you think he was at before and where do you think he's at right now? It wasn't that he was unbalanced. It was that he was unfun. Mm-hmm. He was unfun for, like I said, for G players because the the defense thing, and then he was unfun for everybody else because the weird offense thing. And I just don't think he's very well designed. Um, he he might not be like in the top five. I think he's he's t- probably top ten, but uh, he may or may not be top five. That's not really my issue. My issue is it's like when I when I lose to him, I don't feel like it was a good game most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my that's my problem. But as far as where would I put him on the list, I think that, yeah, he's one of those characters that people got nerfed around, and so he'll climb a little bit. Um, before, I think that, uh, I think he was top 15, maybe in there in the top 10, depending. Mm-hmm. But now I think he's top 10 for sure. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, so do you have any other people that you feel that we haven't discussed that have, have risen up the, the tier list that you think are notable? Well, I think the um, Alex's buffs were significant. I don't know. People are saying that he can do more, and that's cool, but th- he's not by any means a great character, which, fine. You know, I think that's all Alex really wanted at this point was to be viewed as a viable character. And I think that the game's viable tier has expanded further, and I think that's really good. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Alex. I actually have him on my honorable and dishonorable mention uh, between Rise and Fall. And the reason I will I have him there to clarify this is I think most of the other low tiers got better as well. And I still think Alex is actually low tier in this game. It might even be one of the worst characters in the game. He's better. I 120% agree with that. But I don't think his tier position may be changed at all. Uh, I think he's still at the very bottom of the game. Um, and playing Majin Tenshinhan a little bit and just kind of hearing him talk about the character. He's one of our few uh, resident Alex players, uh, one of the few once around. Um 
But uh, yeah, he doesn't seem very enthused about the character. He's like, yeah, he's better, but they didn't change enough to make him like stand out. So I'm hearing a lot of hype about the character. I'm just like, yeah, he's better, but he's better. But in the context of, of this game, is he better? You know, like, is he in the same spot? So that's really what I'm hung up on with him. Yeah, it's more, does he make people happy when they play him? Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, there you go. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I'm, again, I'm not expecting him to be a best in the game kind of thing. Um, I think Zangief has increased substantially, and it's simply because they gave him Oki. So now Zangief can be scary. And um, and he's still basically doing the same stuff, but like if he hits a, his, his lariat on you, he gets to follow that up. And so... Um, you know, when you get hit by Zangief, it's more significant. And I think it's in like the appropriate Zangief way. And so we might see, um, especially players that were going to Abigail, we might see them um, go back to Geef. And, and that's fine. That's cool. I think everyone's kind of just felt bad for Geef. And so anything that he gets here, it's, it's like, well, you know, good. Good for you, man. Good for mm-hmm. you. Um, outside of that, like, you know, you got like your juries, Nikali's, Mika's that have stayed the same, but got a little bit buffed because of staying the same. Um, I think we should talk about Cammy at least a little bit. She okay. was under huge fire because everyone, like I said earlier, hated her um, because she was like you know the most popular and the best in the game and had a lot of dumb tools. Capcom significantly toned her down, and I think a lot of people were like, "Yeah, she's dead now." It's like that's a little bit of a rash movement. I can see why she might be because there's a lot of negative. There's like a lot of minus signs under her balance change list, but. Um, as early as yesterday, uh, Justin Wong said that he thinks that she's still probably top five. And it's yeah. like, man, that's that's significant for someone like Justin Wong to say. And he is usually really good at figuring mm-hmm. things out early on. He sees the code quicker than a lot of other people, which is why he's so good, especially at the beginnings of games. So if he's saying that, and he, and he took his cami, which he doesn't main the character, obviously he knows how to play her, but he took his cami online and just like bodied a bunch of people of various ranks, including like grandmasters. And so... Um, I think that she can still get the job done. And if that's the case, then great. Um, because like I said before, she's not, she wasn't so dumb that she was breaking the game before. And now she's been regulated down a little bit further than that. So if, if that's all true and she can still get the job done, then perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm, I'm happy. Um, she, I don't know if she'll still really be top five. People are saying she's like below mid tier. And I don't think that's at all the case. I think just her general, her general tools are still too good to put her down that far, but um, but she was significantly nerfed, and I think that's a good thing, especially if she can still hold on to um, she, she's still in the viable tier. Then I think that's where you want Cami. Yeah, I I think she took about a half step down from where she was before, uh, and how that ends up in the context of the game, I'm not sure yet. But I still think she was a very very good character. Well, like you can still do solid things with her. Mm-hmm. You just don't get to be plus what was it two or three off of her like light. Crouching, light punch and crouching, crouching light, light. Yeah. and it's like she doesn't have those ridiculously dumb things that just give her a automatic wins you know well well mm-hmm. close to that she has to earn but but if she's earning it she can still get it and it's like that's where you want your characters to be so um i mean again all of this is with like we've had the game for like two or three weeks and we're still delving into it all of this could be completely wrong we'll change later but with the way i see things now i'm pretty happy with most of what's going on i'm a little scared but i'm not to the point where like this needs to be changed we'll see and hey there's always the emergency you know 0.5 balance patches that that capcom has been doing so if there's anything just like way out there way too much then they can always do that but i'm 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 50-50 on whether that'll even happen this time because it seems like things are in a pretty good spot as we talked about before. All right, nice. So 
I've got three characters on my fall list here in terms of, of that that I believe have have taken a significant drop off, and this doesn't mean that they're not viable anymore. Or you know, uh, yeah. So my top here is Minot. Um, she was top four on most people's list before. Now I have her around the 10 to 15 range. That's still very good, especially in this game. She's just not nearly as oppressive as she used to be. Uh, Stan Heavy Punch, V-Trigger 1, those were significant nerfs to her that needed to be done. Uh, I Justin Wong is like infamous for saying, like, yeah, here's all the stuff that needs to be nerfed to her. Get everything. Don't do one or two things. Get everything. Uh, and I think Capcom kind of did that to her. Um, so, you know, it's it's... The one thing that she got in her favor, uh, especially for V-Trigger 2 users, is uh, standing medium punch buff was very nice. Um, that makes her even her V-Trigger 1 combos easier, but especially for V-Trigger 2. Uh, she's still a very good character. Uh, she's not going to have any trouble um, holding up her end in tournaments if people want to stick with the character. She's just not going to be nearly as oppressive and insane as she used to be before. Well, traditionally speaking, it used to be that if you were a zoning character, you were probably really bad, and the only way you had a fighting chance is if you were really, really good. I think that now the game is such that it's a little more uh, even on, on like, you know, the characters have been brought up significantly enough that you can play some zoning stuff. We talked about Ryu earlier with his fireballs, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, I, I think it's more balanced. There's a little more defensive aspect to it, and so... Um, Monat can can afford to be not ridiculously overpowered with her with her tools, but again, you know she gets a V trigger one and she's putting you in those mix ups and they're gonna lead to super and like that can still happen once a once around and make her a really strong character. Um, but I do think that it just became like Monat's could just like hey I'm just gonna you know basically press heavy punch with my face and then mm-hmm. eventually I'll have V trigger and then eventually I'll win and yep. and so. I think that she's in a pretty good spot considering where she was, where the game is, and where she is now. Yeah, the execution requirements on there definitely required more than hitting, you know, a button with your face. But I agree. It was it was too we saw way too many Monot players there towards the end of season three. And and when you're seeing that many people playing the character, uh, you realize that she's need some adjustments there, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But one of the things, though, the most notable Monat player here, uh, Sako, actually looks to be playing Kage exclusively right now. I've been tuning into his stream a good bit, and he plays Monat maybe 2% of the time, I think, since Kage was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, he was messing around like with V-Trigger 2 and didn't even, like, this was laughable, uh, Sako didn't even know how to do combos with V-Trigger 2. <laughs> and yeah. he, like, whiffed, like, three of them, and I'm like, oh! And, like, he was doing the wrong combos and everything. I'm like, oh, wow, he really doesn't doesn't seem to like this character that much anymore. Uh, Sako definitely has a long history of playing very, uh, he's a tears enthusiast there. Um, but of course, you know, he um, is one of the more uh, showcasing players in terms of characters and what they can do. Uh, so I'm excited to see Makagi. A little disappointed that he's not playing Monat, but at the same time, uh, the character has dropped off a good bit, if you ask me. And we'll see where she ends up at. You know, uh, it's there's going to be a lot of interesting things that happen here at the first couple majors that we're seeing on the horizon. Um, but yeah. Those characters are so different. It's good. I think you should have both of them for tournament, right? Because there are certain matchups where, I mean, Minot's so different than Kage. It's like, yeah, you can see where she would thrive, where he wouldn't, and vice mm-hmm. versa. So um, if I'm Sako, I'm, I'm definitely, all the time you spent figuring out how to play Minot, like keep that and then also explore Kage. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know if Minot is a character that you can dabble with and do well. I don't know if there's any players in the community who do that. Usually Minot is your main and you might have a sub. Um, but if you play that character, she has such high technical requirements 
requirements, I don't know if you really sub much from her. I can't think of any examples of that offhand. Um, it's it's few and far between. I think Justin Wong may be the only one, but again, he he mains Monat and subs other characters here and there. So she she's hard to play. So <laughs> for sure. Um, but Sako, man, Sako, yeah. the execution master. Yeah. Uh, so getting into my next follower here is Abigail. Um, I oh, still yeah. think he is viable uh, and he can end you in a split second. I've been reminded of that fact here in season four on a number of occasions. Um, but Abigail players have to be way more calculated now. Um, I, I think he's seen possibly the biggest drop in the game from where he was at before. Uh, I had him personally in my top six. And now I have him in about the 20 to 25 range. Uh, he's considerably worse than he was previously. Uh, I just, I don't think there's any bones about that. Uh, his V-Trigger nerf to V-Trigger 1 going to 2 to 3 bars was huge. It, it has less duration now. Um, but I still think people can hang with this character. Uh, and if they want to play a big body grappler, he might actually be the best one in the game. I personally still think he's better than Zangief. I am not impressed with the changes they did to Zangief. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a not player, so I'm very biased. That matchup is still dreadful for Zangief. Um, but I, I still think Abigail's pretty good and big body grapplers in these games tend to not be that great. Uh, look at Zangief, look at T-Hawk, uh, look at those other characters. Like their history is not that of a high tier character generally mm. because of how robbery and oppressive they can be if they're too strong. Um, they usually fall in the range of about mid tier or so. Uh, and I, that's where I think Abigail's on the lower end of that. But again, I still think that that players like Itazan, um, that play very patiently and very calculated can do just as much damage for the most part as they did before. Um, you know, maybe dial back a little bit, but I think that that YOLO Abigail, as I discussed before is dead. I agree. I think that they probably went um, a little too hard on what they did to him. The fact that I, I think if he just got the nerfs to his V-Trigger 1 in that they made it two, uh, three bars and they gave him a few less Abigail punches out of it would have been fine. When I go and, and play him online now, yeah, he can still melt you. I mean, he's still he's still a big body grappler, like you say, but I'm seeing a lot more V-Trigger 2. And I think it's going to force a lot of Abigail players to play um with more thought and that's good it's also going to mean that a lot of people are just not going to play the character as much anymore yeah um well i'm still seeing him and that might just be because people aren't ready to move away from him yet and they're going to get frustrated and and then eventually do so i know that dream king has all but dropped him right like yeah. uh, i think yeah. that he's not really enthused about playing him anymore yeah it's he's he's very disappointed because they they took a lot of the things that he enjoyed doing before and completely nerfed them um, and, and I get that, like, Itazan wasn't particularly nerfed by this because he didn't play the character that way. But if you played him that way, I can see being very disheartened by what he is now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I, I think that maybe it was too much, mm -hmm. but I'm not sad about it. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, I, I think it was just the perfect amount. And that character can go screw himself <laughs> and it's so funny because when we were at capcom cup i thought my hate of abigail was was strong and i'm like oh wow everyone hates this character way more than even i do like i've come to like you know a peaceful existence with him to some extent and i'm like this character is the most hated character i can recall seeing um and maybe street fighter 5 i'm not 100 sure on that maybe you know uh season one chun li or something but i'm I, he was very 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 hated uh, my goodness so yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm glad he's dead. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, we have Guile for me. Um, I keep hearing people talk about this character like he's terrific. And I don't see that at all. 
Um, the guile uh, players, I keep hearing that he's been significantly nerfed. Yeah, and that he's fallen really far. Yeah, uh, the guile players I run across are struggling much more than they used to uh, to maintain control of the screen that uh, was considerably easier for them before. Uh, Sonic Boom nerfs were big time. Uh, he has slower normals. Uh, he's no longer the mid-range beast that he was before. Um, I think he's fallen from a top tier to a mid-tier character. Uh, he might surprise me and be um, higher, you know, higher mid in my opinion, but I don't think he's going anything beyond that. Uh, he fell hard, um, really hard. Uh, th- there was a case to be made that he was the number one character in season three. That was my personal opinion, but uh, tournament results and stuff like that did have a, a very strong backing of Guile. Um, I think the, the, the days of Guile running rampant online and in tournaments are gone. Um, I think there's a number of character loyalists who are going to stick with them, and I, I still think he's okay. I still think he's in the viable tier. I just, Matt, I don't see him being great anymore. Well, he was stellar from far, from close, and from mid, and it's like that's I think that's inappropriate for a character. And so to see him nerfed in the mid I think is, is the best. I think that he should have good zoning he's guile Mm -hmm. right he should have good zoning you should have a hard time approaching him you should be urged to go to the air only to get flash kicked that makes sense for the way the character is designed also i should say on this front the way that he could cage you with his light sonic booms was stupid too it was just like well if you got in that situation um you were basically just going to sit there and, and and there was very little you could do unless you had like a super that would go through the booms or something along those lines but so many times I found myself there and it just felt like, well, great, here we go. Um, the game kind of stops and I just sit here until I die or, or, I mean, maybe he screws up throwing a sonic boom or something. Usually that wasn't the case. So I'm, I'm happy that they, they changed that. I know that kind of falls into the zoning category because it's about the speed of his sonic booms. But I think he still can do the guile thing, um, but he shouldn't be able to, to like control every every space on the screen at all times. And, and that's where they changed him. So I'm happy with what they've done Uh, a little more research and we'll figure out if he's like, I I think he's still good. I think Mm. he's still decently up there. High mid tier is where I'd put him. I don't think he's going to fall super far, but I think he's going to fall far enough where it's like, that's appropriate. And, and again, Guile's supposed to be something and he's not supposed to be other things. And Mm. those other things are like a rushdown character, which he very much was. And it's like, nah, get out of here with that. So I'm happy to see the changes. Me too. Me too. Uh, Did you have anything more? I think that that about covers everything as far as like the, the significant movements. I've been playing mostly Kage, and so like that's its own kind of uh, exploration. And um, and as far as like I, I've heard reports that he's ev- anywhere from low mid to one of the best like top three in the game. <laughs> I don't think he's top three in the game, but I think he's probably like high mid tier. But he's also uh, like I think I said last time a why not Akuma kind of character. Mm. Um, but but I think he's a he's a he's an appropriate addition to the game. I think he's fun. I think he's watchable. And you're seeing a lot of people like you said Sako, but you've also seen like Daigo and Infiltration and and a whole bunch of people playing the character, exploring him. And I think we'll see him. Um, we'll see some some stylish fancy combos. He's got some cool setups. He forces you to play intelligently in the neutral or else you just get blown up with that that low of um health and that stubby of normal like you got to play smart and and i think he's a good addition to the game overall even with the goofy horns it's okay gotcha (laughs) all right y'all that's gonna wrap us up for this week of the event hubs podcast i am john catalyst great and with me as always is john velociraptor 
Guerrero, if I can get that out there. I forgot your name there for a second. Forget about that. But anyway. Right. Uh, it happens all the time. My girlfriend did it last week. <laughs> did she call you mom or something like that on accident or anything like no, that? No, I actually uh, just made that up to make you feel better. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> My own unfortunate history there, I guess. So, all right. <laughs> all right, y'all. We will see you again soon. Adios, guys.